Welcome to the Highly Spirited Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie McNew. I love cocktails and I love the macabre. So every week I'm bringing you a cocktail recipe in history and some ghost stories. So let's get ready to get lit and get scared. Hey everybody, we are wrapping up November today. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. If you went Black Friday shopping, I hope you got some good deals and were safe. Is that a thing people are still doing? I feel like that's kind of a trend that's on its way out. I know I didn't go. I like to clean my house and put all my Christmas stuff up today. And I usually get pretty lit doing it. So I'm like starting my morning with mimosas, taking down the Thanksgiving stuff, cleaning. And then by afternoon, I'm like, oh, it's wine time and we're putting up the tree. It's just a fun day. Like the tree is not the only thing getting lit. I am too. So happy Friday. Happy Black Friday. And cheers to the holiday season. So let's kick it off with some cryptids. I personally love some cryptids. I'm not a Bigfoot girl. I mean, that might get me kicked out of the ABV network. I don't know. But um, I'm a big fan of the Mothman. I think he is so dang cute. I like the story of the Jersey Devil. And I like the Goatman out of Pope. I like the Goatman, the Pope Lick Monster out of um, Louisville, Kentucky. So those are my top three favorites, but there are tons more in this episode. And if you haven't got my book yet, there's a whole section on cryptids that are pairing them with cocktails. So check out Monster Mixology. If you have a weirdo in your family that likes cocktails and creepy stories, this would actually be a great stocking stuffer. It's available on Amazon. So cheers, guys. Enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. We are wrapping up September today with a drink that might not really even be a cocktail. I've only ever had it as a shot, and very early in my drinking career, I might add. There's probably nothing more annoying to a bartender than a bunch of giggly 21-year-old girls ordering multiple shots with stupid names like the Fuzzy Navel or Buttery Nipples. And who even comes up with those names anyways? I don't know. Well, we're going to at least try to find out about the fuzzy navel today. Let's get into it. According to an article on vinepair.com, the fuzzy navel was created by bartender Ray Foley, who also penned the book Bartending for Dummies. Gotta love it. (laughs) The fuzzy navel had its heyday in the mid-1980s when fruity, fun named drinks were having a moment. It also gained popularity when when De Kuyper launched its original peach tree flavor of schnapps becoming the preferred brand of schnapps to use when making a fuzzy navel, which can be made into a highball, I just learned. So what you would use is a highball glass filled with ice, three ounces of orange juice, three ounces peach schnapps, add the liquids into the glass, stir and garnish with an orange wedge. Really just a two ingredient, super easy drink. Also not repulsive if you choose to have this as a shot rather than a cocktail form. I don't like orange juice, so I would not really want a whole cocktail of this. <laughs> so it's fine for a shot for me. It's such a random drink for me to pick though, which, cause it's not all that interesting, right? Like it's a silly shot, but I wanted to cover cryptids today. So my thought process went, some cryptids are fuzzy. <laughs> Work with me here. It made sense when I thought of it. So I just rolled with it. Fuzzy navels equals fuzzy cryptids. And I will be right back after a short break and we will get into those cryptids. And we're back. Welcome to the wild world of cryptids. Where do I even start? There are so many and every region in the United States seems to have some of their own as well as the world over. So I'm just going to start with a few of my personal favorites from all over. Then we'll go over some of the most well-known cryptids from the U.S and maybe a couple other places because I don't know geography that well, okay? My favorite is Mothman 
for being a harbinger of bad news, he's pretty damn cute. The movie, Mothman Prophecies, is pretty meh, but not bad for early 2000s horror, which actually originated as a 1970 book by John Keel, stating that the Mothman sighting was of supernatural force and his presence led to the bridge collapse. Mothman was first spotted in November 1966 by two couples in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. The couples were Roger and Linda Scarberry and Stephen Mary Mellette, who all reported a large winged creature with red glowing eyes and 10-foot wings. Both couples also reported seeing the creature in the same area. Outside of what was previously an ammunition factory used in World War II, known to the townspeople as the TNT area. Over the following week, other people reported seeing a large flying bird with red eyes as well. A man named Newell Johnson told the county sheriff the creature caused his TV to make weird buzzing noises and also caused his dog to disappear. Whether he was implying his dog ran away out of fear or that the creature stole it, not really sure. It was a German shepherd though, so I don't think a bird could really snatch up a German shepherd like it would a chihuahua. So don't really know where he was going with that story. (laughs) The sheriff believed the creature was just a large heron and a biologist from the University of West Virginia believed it was a sandhill crane that may have gotten off its flight path so it wouldn't have been familiar to the people in Point Pleasant. Cryptozoologists claim Mothman was an alien though. Regardless of what Mothman is, it's highly speculated seeing him is a forewarning of doom. In 1967, the Silver Bridge collapsed and caused the death of 46 people. In 1999, a Mothman-like entity was spotted in Moscow, and some believe his presence brought on the Russian apartment bombings. But back in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, hundreds of people claimed to have spotted the Mothman between 1966 and 1967, but just never came forward to officially report it. Despite being the harbinger of bad news, Point Pleasant has held an annual Mothman festival every September since 2002 to celebrate the town's history and folklore surrounding this cryptid. There's also a 12-foot Mothman statue tourists can visit and take a photo with. It's actually very cool. So my other favorite cryptid is the Rougarou, who can be found in the Louisiana swamps, sometimes called the Loopgarou. It has the fur-covered body of a man and the head of a wolf, somewhat similar to a werewolf. The legend of the Rougarou is popular in Cajun folklore, where it's mostly used as a scare tactic to get children to behave. It's told the Rougarou hunts the swamps at night to, to find and eat misbehaving children. Another tale of the Rougarou is that it will hunt down Catholics who don't follow the rules during Lenten season. I mean, if that good old Catholic guilt doesn't keep you in order, the Rougarou might. (laughs) It also ties in with French Catholic lore that says if one skips Lent for seven consecutive years, they could turn into a werewolf. There are other legends that state the Rougarou is a person who is cursed for 101 days. They turn into the creature at night and back into their human form during the daylight. The curse is transferred to new people if the Rougarou bites them and draws blood. And yet another legend says only a witch can create a Rougarou by cursing some or turning herself temporarily into a wolf. Those are my two favorites. I love the Mothman. I think he's adorable. And the Rougarou, he's like a fun werewolf. And I just, I like Louisiana. I like New Orleans. So those are my two favorites. But let's hop across the pond and talk about a cryptid who's beloved from all corners of the world. And that is Miss Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. 
Sightings of the Loch Ness Monster have been reported for centuries, as far back as the year 565. I can't even imagine what that year looks like. <laughs> and into the late 1800s as well. Always being described as a water beast or a serpent, a salamander or a long-necked creature with short stubby legs. Reports of the sightings were just seeing it come slightly out of the water, then disappearing back beneath the surface again. The sightings were either few and far between or just not reported too often. Sightings of Nessie became more reported in 1933, and the creature gained much media attention. A May 1933 article in the Inverness Chronicle gave a description of a large beast spotted by Aldi McKay and her husband while they were driving by the lock. She described the creature as a whale-like beast causing waves big enough they could have been caused by a steamer. Another spotting in July 1933 also garnered attention. George Spicer and his wife also reported spotting a large creature but described it as having a long neck like that of an elephant's trunk. The Courier reported the Spicer sighting on August 4th of that year and the mysterious creature officially earned the name the Loch Ness Monster. It was also speculated more sightings occurred in 1933 because a new road was built beside the lock bringing new tourists by. A man by the name of Hugh Gray is credited with the first photo of the Loch Ness Monster, although those who have studied the photo later claim that the black and white blurred photo is nothing more than Gray's Labrador <laughs> fetching a stick from the water or a playful otter. In 1934, Arthur Grant claims he was driving his motorcycle on the northeast end of the lock and nearly hit the creature while it crossed the road. Before it made its way back into the water, Grant described it as having a small head and long neck. 1934 also produced the surgeon's photograph, a photo of Nessie taken by Robert Wilson, a gynecologist from London. The photo was published in the Daily Mail and was the first to showcase the creature's head and neck. The skeptics of the photo stated it was probably just a piece of driftwood. Many more photos and, and videos of the monster have been published in the decades since, and they're always widely published and widely criticized on their realness and if the creature truly exists or not. Many expeditions and experiments have taken place in the log throughout the years, trying to figure out what Nessie really is. There's been sonar experiments, there's been people perching themselves on a mountain with binoculars trying to get a better view, there's been underwater cameras too. And all of these experiments have only concluded there's something here. It's bigger than a fish. We don't know what it is. <laughs> Best guesses is that Nessie is some kind of plesiosaur. Or if you're into folklore, perhaps it's a kelpie water horse. My favorite theory, though, is that it's a whale stick. <laughs> In April of this year, 2022, a UK professor, not University of Kentucky, UK, like United Kingdom professor, I probably should clarify that. Um, so a professor from the United Kingdom suggested that, that the creature may have been mistaken as a creature and was actually the erect penis of a blue whale, which can measure up to about 10 feet. His theory was people would just draw what they saw back in the old days and seeing a limb like that could have been confusing. <laughs> this theory has still been debunked, but it makes it still makes me laugh. Nessie isn't the only water cryptid, though. We have a few of our own here in the States, like Cassie, the Casco Bay Sea Serpent in Maine, and Chessie, that calls Chesapeake Bay home. Then there's Champ, or more lovingly referred to as Champy, in New York and Vermont's Lake Champlain, and Kipsy, the Hudson River Monster. On the West Coast, we have Caddy, who really makes herself at home closer to British Columbia, Canada. And in Utah, we have the Bear Lake Monster. They're all very similar, like big long neck, humps, short little stubby legs, kind of
kind of the same thing. Maybe Nessie's extended family. Who knows? So I obviously cannot do a whole cryptid show without getting into the sort of man, the myth, the legend himself, Sasquatch. And what is it about Sasquatch that has this whole world in a chokehold? Like people are literally obsessed with this thing from advertisements and everything from soap to beef jerky, from hunting and even nicknames like my dear friend Steve Akeley is referred to as the bourbon Sasquatch. Like Sasquatches just have a thing in pop culture. I don't really understand it, but the world is obsessed with this man ape creature. For brevity's sake, I am going to use Sasquatch here as kind of a blanket term and include Bigfoot, Yetis, Honey Island Swamp Monster, Skunk Ape, and Yowies. They're they're all of the same species, I guess. If it's some kind of elusive man-ape, I am including it in the Sasquatch category, okay? So where can one find, or at least hope to find, a Sasquatch? Most likely in a dense forest area or in the mountains. Let's get into some of them. Sasquatch or Bigfoot is a very large humanoid creature that appears to look like a furry ape walking on two legs like a man. Sightings have been reported in the Pacific Northwest of the United States as well as the Appalachian region. Most sightings have been at night, leading hunters and researchers to believe the creature is mostly nocturnal. Hunters often take broken trees and uprooted trees as a sign that, that a Bigfoot has been through the area. And of course, they look for footprints too which appear to be extra large human-shaped prints, sunken deep into the muddy areas because of the creature's weight. Sasquatch seems to be a solitary creature, not having a pack. A team of researchers in Oregon called the Olympic Project once discovered a nest and had an expert on apes examine it, who confirmed a primate most likely built it. It's more likely to hear a Bigfoot before seeing one. The man-ape is said to make howls, yowls, screams, as well as moaning and grunting. In the 70s, a Navy linguist reviewed a recording of some of these sounds recorded in the Sierra Nevada mountains. After analyzing the tapes, he concluded these sounds were definitely not human, but did seem to be an intelligent language of the creature. He didn't believe the sounds could be faked or mistaken for some other known animal, like many disbelievers wanted to point out. So is the Sasquatch real? Maybe. There are people who dedicate their whole lives to hunting down the Bigfoot in woods all over the United States. Like there's even a Discovery Channel show about it, I think. It could just be a hoax, someone bored, dressed up in a costume, running through the woods, or people mistaking a bear as something else. And it could just be wild imaginations taking a creature from indigenous folklore and turning it into something real in their minds. The same is true for the Himalayan version of Bigfoot, the Yeti, has very similar traits except he has white fur instead of brown and is often referred to as the abominable snowman. And he cute too, I like him. Next up, the Chupacabra, which is just fun to say, Chupacabra. I like it, Chupacabra. This name literally translates from Spanish to mean goat sucker. It's a rather vampiric creature that sucks the blood from livestock. Common sightings are in Puerto Rico, Mexico, as well as occasionally in the southwestern United States. The Puerto Rican and Mexican version appears to be a green reptile the size of a small bear with scales protruding down its spine, and it hops like a kangaroo. <laughs> but in the southwest U.S., it's described as looking more like a dog with mange. Dad, I'm going to take the Puerto Rican-Mexican version. It sounds cuter. Sorry. Southwest U.S. The Chupacabra is a relatively recent cryptid, making its first known appearance in the town of Mocha in 1975. 
Livestock all throughout the town were found dead, appearing to be drained entirely of blood. Sheep and cows were discovered completely bloodless with small circular incisions on them. In 1995, the chupacabra struck, struck the town of Canavanas, Puerto Rico, where over 150 animals, including pets, were found dead and drained of blood, again with small circular incisions. The slaughter of this livestock was blamed on satanic cults, though. <laughs> Gotta love that satanic panic. <laughs> Most recently in 2018, only four years ago, chickens came up dead in the Indian town of Manipur, and the chupacabra was a top suspect, but it later turned out just to be hungry street dogs. A little different from the chupacabra, parts of Appalachia have their own livestock murder encrypted called a wampus cat. The wampus cat has green glowing eyes and yowls and cries at night, much like a baby, sometimes luring people into the woods at night. And if you know anybody from Appalachia that grew up there or still lives there, they will absolutely tell you. If you thought you heard something in the woods at night, no, you didn't. Do not go check this out. You didn't hear a baby crying. Leave it. Mind your business. It might have been a wampus cat or honestly something scarier. It is really hard to tell what is out in those mountains and woods. Let's talk about the Jersey Devil next. I like the story. He's he's a fun one. He calls the Pine Barrens in South New Jersey home. The Jersey Devil is an interesting looking fella. He has two legs with hooves, leathery wings like a bat, claw-like hands, a forked tail, and a goat's head complete with complete with curved horns. He's a fast flyer and likes to screech. Where did such a creature come from? Well, it is absolutely from folklore. <laughs> What we call the Jersey Devil now was originally called the Leeds Devil, and he was apparently the 13th son of the Leeds family. The story goes Mrs. Leeds already had 12 children, and when she found out she was pregnant again, she was devastated and cursed the child growing inside her, stating this child would be a devil. A healthy human baby was delivered by Mrs. Leeds in 1735, then somehow changed into a hoofed horned winged creature. It apparently beat the other children with its forked tail and flew out of the house's chimney, making its way to the Pine Barrens. Another, even more far-fetched version of the creature's origin is that Mrs. Leeds was a witch and the baby's father was the devil himself. <laughs> the Jersey Devil has been spotted countless times. It's been blamed for killing livestock and attacking trolleys too. It was once shot with a cannonball by Commodore Stephen Decatur and sustained no injury. Camden police had also fired at it to no avail. The creature just flew away unscathed. The Jersey Devil may be the manifestation of the imaginations of early settlers, or it could simply be a sandhill crane mistaken for something more sinister. Let's head on over to Louisville, Kentucky for our next cryptid. If you haven't listened to episode one of this podcast on Haunted Louisville yet, you really should. Just a shout out to myself. Shameless self-promotion. I have no problem with it. Go check out Haunted Louisville if you haven't. I did not cover this creature in that episode, but besides being the home to some fabulous haunts, Louisville is also home to the Pope-Lick Monster, aka the Goatman. This creature is said to reside beneath a railroad trestle that crosses Pope-Lick Creek. The origins of this cryptid are murky at best, and there are several of them, as well as several more stories about what it does to its victims. One origin story is that the creature really is a hybrid of a human and goat and worked as a circus freak. It was unhappy and vowed vengeance for being mistreated. The circus train derailed and the performer escaped and took up refuge under the bridge. 
A favorite origin story of locals is that the creature is actually a reincarnated local farmer who sacrificed all his goats to Satan. What? <laughs> Whatever its real origin is, the thing is creepy as hell. Certain lore claims it lures its victims to the bridge by hypnosis. Other stories say it mimics crying to lure would-be helpful victims to the tracks right in front of an oncoming train. Other legends say the creature jumps off the bridge onto the roofs of passing by cars below. An even wilder legend says the creature kills its victims with a bloody axe. Just imagine a freaking goat man with an axe. Like, that is fucking terrifying image that is now emblazoned into my head. The Pope-like monster is also rumored to be terrifying looking. Some people have launched themselves to their own deaths off the trestle to get away from it. Like, not a lot of these cryptids scare me. I just think they're mostly interesting. This one kind of freaks me out. A whole goat man walking around. I just, I'm not into it. He's, oh, I don't want to see him. <laughs> so I am going to wrap this up with a couple of fun, less scary cryptids. Loveland, Ohio, where I once lived for an unfortunate year of my life, has the Frogman. It's a four-foot frog that, that walks on hind legs near Lake Isabella in the Little Miami River. It first reported sighting was in 1955 by a traveler who spotted it by the side of the road. And as recently as 2016, a group of teenagers have reported seeing it, but it really turned out to be a hoax and was just a college student in his own homemade frog costume trying to scare people. <laughs> the Frogman has caused a few police reports, the first in 1972 by a passerby who claimed the animal ran across the road in front of his vehicle and appeared to be about 50 pounds. Imagine a 50-pound frog. Wild. The second was from a police officer himself who claimed to have shot the creature, but turned out he, he did not have the frogman, but rather a large iguana that was probably released by irresponsible owners. My last one today takes me back to my home in Indiana, and this is a cryptid I had no idea about until about a month ago, and Alan Bishop mentioned it to me, so I had to look it up. It's the Beast of Churubusco, which is an extra-large snapping turtle. A farmer named Oscar Folk first reported seeing the giant snapper in 1898, claiming it lived in a lake on his farm. He told people, but the story didn't really take off until 1948, when two locals who were fishing on the same lake both claimed to have seen the giant turtle, stating it had to have weighed about 500 pounds. Then the story really spread when a reporter from Fort Wayne got wind of the news and spread word over wire. The snapping turtle became nationally famous, drawing in tourists who overwhelmed the small farm with their curiosity. State police were called in to help with traffic and crowd control. The man who owned the land and the lake at this time was Gail Harris, who was so inclined to catch this beast and prove its existence to doubters. He drained the lake into a dam, but the dam ended up breaking with all the water flooding back in. In 1949, Harris even wanted to send a diver into the lake to search for the turtle, but they didn't have the right equipment at the farm. The turtle was never caught despite the massive effort. The turtle was later dubbed Oscar, affectionately after the farm's original owner, and the town still keeps his memory alive by holding an annual Turtle Days Festival in June that includes a parade, a fair, and of course, turtle races. <laughs> There's even a concrete statue of a giant turtle at the main intersection in Churubusco to commemorate the beast. How cute. All right, that is going to wrap it up today, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun looking into all of these cryptids. 
They're all a little bit creepy and cool in their own ways, but the only one that really scares me, like I said, is that damn Pope-like monster. Just freaking goat man. I can't. Ugh, I don't like him. It, but I do want to say, you might have noticed that I did not cover the Wendigo, and that's very much on purpose. That thing terrifies me, and I feel like it would be very disrespectful to indigenous people to bring up to bring it up when in their culture it's a pretty taboo thing to talk about. So I am not going to cover Wendigo on any future episodes either. If I missed any others that might be your favorite cryptid, let me know and maybe I can do a cryptids part two at some point because there are plenty more of them out there. <laughs> Until next time, take care. Give us a like and follow on Instagram at Highly Spirited Podcast. I'll see you guys in October. Bye.